0: some hope to offer you this morning in these hard times so we're just glad that you're with us if you're with us take a minute and just go grab some communion stuff for later um and if you consider yourself a part of our church and you want to come grab some signs we still have more here at the church so please feel free to come by we'll bring them out to your door if you need us to we'll wear a mask Um, but if you want one please come grab one and we're just going to worship together this morning let's watch this video and then we'll start to worship the lord Say home, really worship the Lord. We're just going to keep singing together. Virtually from your house. Hey, thank you so much for continuing to be faithful to Southwoods as you have been faithfully giving. Thank you for doing that, your tithes and offerings. It really, it is going to God. Because the work that we do here at Southwoods is not for us. It is for the kingdom of God. And that means part of that goes out to missions organizations all around the world that are continuing to serve the mission of God. And especially in times of uncertainty like this, that is so important. So thank you for continuing to be faithful, for continuing to give. Just follow us along as we do this next song.
1: Good morning, friends. We're thrilled that you're with us this morning. Before we begin our message time, just want to ask you, if you would, right where you are, just bow your heads with me. Uh, We're going to join uh, just millions of believers all over the world. In fact, in 176 nations right now, people are praying. I say right now at their particular time when it's their time for worship. 176 countries worldwide are bowing before the throne asking the same thing. We're going to pray this morning. So just ask you, if you would, bow your heads with me. And let's uh, lift a prayer to God right now, okay? Join me if you would. Just agree in your spirit with me. Oh, Lord and God, we ask you to look in mercy on your people today. The coronavirus, COVID-19, is dominating governments and derailing economies. It's destroying peace. It's affecting everything. It's an ever-present challenge. It's bringing pain and devastation upon your creation, upon people who you care deeply about. Yet even its far-reaching implications, we declare that the name of Jesus is above all other names in heaven and on earth and under the earth. We recognize that every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is King and Lord. And we believe your scriptures right now that have taught us that every person, problem, pestilence, power must bow before the name of Jesus Christ. So we come before you in his name, the name of Jesus Christ, and we ask that COVID-19 be halted, that it be eradicated. That's what we're praying for, the eradication of this horrible disease. It's removal from our lives and our society. In the name of Jesus, we boldly ask for our families, our churches, our cities and nations, that they might be protected from the effects of this, this pestilence. And Lord Jesus... We bring our prayer to you because we know that you created the world and everything in it. You healed the sick. You walked on water. You fed thousands. You raised the dead. You yourself rose from the dead. You rule and reign. And you are the one who said, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. The Lord, we're asking. And we're confident in your powerful name. So would you give our scientists researchers medical personnel the supernatural strength and wisdom that they need in this moment and would you bring healing and restoration to the lives of all of us who are being affected by this virus we're grateful that you hear our prayers that you care that one day you're coming soon and that all evil will be eradicated from our lives but for now we approach you with related to this evil we ask all these things in the name that is above every name, the merciful and powerful, all-powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you all for joining us this morning, praying with me. Appreciate that. I encourage you to continue to pray as the, uh, the days uh, continue. Well, this spring has been uh, really hard on everyone, hasn't it? Uh, not only have folks been concerned about getting this uh, stupid virus, But uh, this virus has affected everything else. It's affected the economy. It's it's affected everything. It's affected, some of us know, traumatically we speak this, it's affected the sports world. Some of us are truly concerned about that, very bothered. March Madness was canceled. Major League Baseball never launched. The NBA season has been suspended, was suspended. Major League Soccer postponed all of its matches until mid-June. Even NASCAR and PGA is in hibernation mode. I mean, everything's just been uh, been off. And so uh, as a sports fan, and uh, more importantly, a Kansas City Chiefs fan, uh, Super Bowl champions, in case any of you've forgotten, uh, as a sports fan, how do you think I felt, and probably most of us felt, uh, this past week when Thursday evening the NFL draft began? If you're like me, you felt just a little bit of excitement and hope. It, it was just like maybe, maybe this thing's going to lift a little bit, and something good and something positive is going to happen in the days ahead. And I think even people, according to the ratings, even people who are not football fans, really kind of tuned in this week because of that. And here's what you need to think about with me for the next few months: just as just as the NFL draft uh, gave us some hope, my goal with this series is to infuse us all with some hope. We need a fresh infusion of hope. And this series that we're in, uh, is every message is designed intended from Scripture to breathe hope into our lives. And so I'm thrilled that you joined in this morning. And my hope is that you'll not only just tune in today, but to, uh, you'll get the next couple of messages where we are working our way through this series. I know it'll bless your life. Uh, let's open our Bibles this morning to our hope-filled text for this entire series where everything's flowing out of this passage. Psalm 23. It's a famous psalm. It's familiar to many of you. Uh, most of you are familiar with it at least. Uh, you've heard it in a lot of different contexts. But this morning we're going to work our way through it and talk about strength. And so uh, let's read it aloud together. Um, right where you are, don't be timid, don't be shy. Just read it aloud, out loud with me as we work our way through this passage. Psalm 23, I'm going to start out reading it in the New King James uh, translation because it just seems like that ought to be the one been that way for, since I was a kid. So just uh, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is a very rich passage. I love this passage and it reveals several sources of hope that God has made available to every one of us. He's made these sources of hope to everyone available to every one of us who will turn and look to him rather than just look to ourselves to meet our own needs or look somewhere else on, on the human plane. He, he's made these promises for all of us. And last week, we talked about uh, the first source of hope. We talked about divine provision. And let me just say, if you missed it for some reason, you can go to our website, southwoods.org, and you can find it. And I must say, it's one of my better messages because my sweet wife, Lori, helped me. So that ought to be its own incentive for you to want to go hear it. But let me just say this, in today's economic times, you need to watch it. Please watch it. It's, it's a message that we've all got to hear. We've all got to hear it right now. But today we're focusing on the second source of hope that shows up in this passage, Psalm 23, that every one of us must come to embrace, so that hope will fill our thoughts, our lives, our souls, and overflow us into the lives of others. Because God's plan for your life and mine is not just to be, uh, not, not, not just for our own self-sufficiency, spiritually speaking. His plan is that we'll be salt, we'll be light, we'll be voices of hope in an otherwise decaying world. And today's source of hope that God wants to impart to each of us is what I've just called today divine strength. Divine strength. Divine strength. And renewal. It is your inheritance as one of God's children. And Psalm 23 2 and the beginning of verse 3 tells us how God brings hope into the lives of his people. And let's uh, read those verses again, uh, but this time we're going to read them in two different translations. The first one we're going to read in New, Kings, uh, New, uh, New King James, which we just read a few moments ago, but then we're going to read it in the New Living translation. Just notice the subtle differences of wording. Uh, because it's not on the author's part. It's, the, it's not on the, the translator's part. It, the, these are Hebrew words that can be translated a couple of different ways. And these passages just reflect a couple of different ways that they can be translated. So let's start with the New King James. The passage just says this, beginning of verse 2. He, God, makes me, notice that, makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. And then in the New Living Translation, the exact same passage says, he lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. Now, you may not have noticed it, but both of those translations tell us about three spiritual routines. You know, think of exercise routines. You know, you kind of exercise routines. There are spiritual routines that will fill you and me with strength and renewal and hope if we'll give them consistent expression in our lives. They show up in this verse and a half or verse and a quarter or so here. Verse 2 and the beginning of verse 3. And so for the next few minutes, what I'm going to do is highlight each one of those spiritual routines. I'm going to apply it, and then we're done with that. We're going to wrap up. So I hope that you'll listen close. The first spiritual routine that God uses to fill us with strength and renewal and hope in a word is rest. Rest, routine, consistent times of rest. Psalm 23, 2, we clearly see God is not a taskmaster, regardless of how you translate the beginning of verse 2. It's clear, God is not a taskmaster, constantly cracking a productivity whip over you and me. It is his plan for us as his children to spend some time in rest. And the New King James language actually says, he makes me to lie down. And if we wanted to really parse the original language real tightly, I'd say that's the closest and most accurate translation of what the original language says. I want you to think with me. Do you remember who it was who came up with the original idea of a weekly day of rest? A Sabbath. Uh, that, was, that was God, right? And of course, Israel practiced the Sabbath flawlessly and consistently throughout the, you know, the entirety of their ancient existence, right? No, of course they didn't. God made Israel observe it for their own good. In many respects, he's been making people observe the Sabbath over the centuries, whether they wanted to or not, it's sort of for their own good. In fact, he tells us they didn't, Sabbath was not created for God, it was created for man. That's what scripture teaches us. Well, I was thinking about this as I was thinking about this verse Uh, this past week, and I just thought, you know, we've all got our own COVID-19 Sabbath rest still going on, whether we like it or not, whether we want it to be so or not. We're all sheltering at home to a large degree. Even if you still get to go out and go to work, you're still spending a whole lot more time at home than you would normally spend. We're doing less. Do you suppose Do you suppose that during this moment, instead of fighting that rest, maybe God would want you and me to trust him a little more during this season, however short yet it may be. I mean, we've still got a little bit of time, but maybe we need to trust him and just lean into that rest a little bit. What God might do in our bodies, our souls, our spirits, if we would do that. Now, some of us would hear that and say, I want to do that. We've got all kinds of worries that affect that. And, and then part of the problem is that right now, a lot of the things that we might do when we rest, we can't do. And when some of us think of rest, we begin to think of things like beds and recliners. And, or we think, I'm going to watch a movie, and that's what I'm going to do, and that's going to help me to rest. We think of some other form of entertainment, and all these things have all been messed up, or we're, we're sick of watching movies at this point because you've watched everything on Netflix by now. And so uh, we, but here's the thing. This, these are the things that you and I in our culture think of when we think of rest. But when the Bible thinks of rest, something else comes to its mind. And that's what I want to highlight for us next. Is it brings us to a second spiritual routine that God wants to use to fill us with strength and renewal and hope. Hear me, hope. This will help fill you with hope. God wants us to routinely experience some quiet and beauty. You say, I didn't see that one coming. But he wants us to experience some quiet and beauty. Where do you get that idea from? Some of you may be thinking. Look at the places in verse 2 of Psalm 23 where God took David to receive renewal and strength and rest and hope look where he took him green meadows still waters peaceful streams places of beauty places that are quiet which also makes me think of when you think of those places i also think of places like co- colorful hillsides i think of majestic mountains Think of wispy clouds. Subtle breeze blowing through like that. And for me personally, what I often think of is golden sunsets. Lori and I take vacation times. We get away. And even even here, there's just something beautiful about watching a golden sunset. When you see and experience places like that, just think about this with me. Don't they make you breathe differently what do i mean by that it's just like you watch a beautiful view look at that look at that golden sunset and you just think just a deep breath kind of causes you to exhale cuz you kind of get that sense of like there's something bigger in life than me and my schedule my agenda the bible is describing for us in psalm 23:2 places of undriven, reflective soul replenishment. He's talking about places that are quiet and beautiful. In many, many, many of those places, most of them don't cost you a dime. What they cost you is the time to pause and notice them. Because they come every day with the cycle of the sun and the moon and the stars. And if you think about it, you know, I mean, you understand why places like the ones I've just described, like the ones that David alludes to in verse 2, you know why places like these are captivating and replenishing and hope-filling for you and me. We understand. We just don't think about it. Here's why. Mankind's journey with God began where? In a garden. That's right. In a garden paradise, no less. In Eden. In Eden. And ever since mankind sinned and we're driven out of the garden, what have we longed to do? Every single human on the planet has an an internal longing to return. To return to that place of rest and hope and replenishment. Now think about this. Instead of our lives being filled with that kind of hope and peace and replenishment, places that are filled with quiet and beauty, what are our lives filled with? Noise. Pavement. Pavement. Our lives are filled with crowds and hurry. We've all got to-do lists and apps that give us more to-do lists, creative ways to make our to-do lists. Our lives are filled with unrealistic expectations often and disharmony and disappointment because of our unrealistic expectations and the hurt that comes from people around us and the hurt from choices that we've made that maybe we look upon and regret. But the gentle reminder of Psalm 23:2 is this. You and I were made to routinely experience some quiet and some beauty. Not artificial quiet and beauty on a YouTube channel, real quiet and beauty that you can get if you'll just visit a park, if you'll smell the roses, if you'll go fishing. You'll take a walk. If you'll find a scenic spot and sit down and read a book, take a lawn chair with you. I mean, all of these kinds of things, peaceful streams, quiet places, places of beauty. God will feed your soul with hope. And partly that's because God says to us in Psalm 46:10. It will be still. He says, Be still and know that I'm God. When you and I quiet our souls enough, God will show up. And here's the third spiritual routine that God wants to use to fill you and me with strength and hope and renewal. You and I, we need to routinely, consistently. Spend personal time with God Himself. You know, knowing about God is not particularly strengthening to you or me. It's better than not knowing about Him, but but it's not going to feed your soul the same way that personally knowing God and spending consistent time in His presence, in prayer, in His Word, consistent time with His Spirit, are going to do for your soul and mind, your confidence in mind, your your outlook and perspective on life and mine. Time with him is what's going to fill you and me with hope and renewal and strength. And even in the most trying of times throughout history, God's people have found strength and hope in consistently drawing close to God himself. I want you to listen to the testimony of some of God's people from, from the scriptures. Just listen, this is, I, I could give you a long list of these quotations, but just listen to a few of them. Listen to Moses who led the Hebrew slaves out of ancient Egypt, out of slavery. He reveals his source of strength in Exodus 15:2. He says, the Lord is my strength and my song. He has given me victory. Listen to King David who as a young boy faced Goliath and as a young man was hunted like an animal by King Saul and 3,000 of his armed warriors. Listen as David writes this in Psalm 22, verse 19. O Lord, do not stay far away. You are my strength. Come quickly to my aid. He says in chapter 28, verses 7 and following of Psalms, the Lord is my strength and shield. I trust him with all my heart. The Lord gives his people strength. He's a safe fortress for his anointed king. David goes on in Psalm 29, verse 11 to say, the Lord gives his people strength. The Lord blesses them with peace, with rest, with tranquility of spirit, he's saying. The great prophet Isaiah agrees with David and here's what he writes in Isaiah 40, verse 31. Those who trust in the Lord will find what? New strength, he says. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Jeremiah, who's known as the weeping prophet of old, he experienced unbelievable tragedy, hardship, suffering, and grief. He described his source of hope in Jeremiah chapter 16, verse 19, with these these words, "'Lord, you are my strength and my fortress, my refuge.'" in the day of trouble. I could go on with testimonies like these, but you get the point. Here's what you and I need to understand. With what the Lord has done for others, he will do for you. What he's done for others, he will do for you and me. God wants to impart to every single one of us divine strength, divine renewal, Hope, He wants to impart these things to us. But you and I have got to plan some consistent, routine, personal time with Him every day to experience that. Our lives have got to be punctuated with some rest. Our lives have got to be punctuated with quiet and beauty in stillness so that we can draw near to him in those times and receive from him what only he can give you and me. He is our source of strength, our source of hope. And he'll impart that to anyone who will pause long enough to humble themselves and look upward toward him rather than just looking inward to themselves or looking to the circumstances of life to resource them. Will you draw near to God this morning? And here's the really good news. You and I don't have to stumble around, spiritually speaking, in the dark, searching for God. I mean, there are people who travel all over the world thinking, I'm going to find God, I've got to find, there's got to be something more to my spiritual life than what I've experienced. And and maybe they've experienced church, but they've never encountered God. And here's the great need, friends. We need God. We need God in our lives. And when you connect with God, you know. I want to remind you that 2,000 years ago, our Heavenly Father began His search for you. Jesus quietly stepped down from his throne in the heavens. He humbly robed himself in flesh and blood and he came to help you and me find our way back to God. In the garden, place of beauty and pristine quiet and hope we sinned and paradise was lost. But Jesus, who cares about you and me, came to help us find our way back home. And as both God and man, Jesus willingly shouldered your sins, mine, and he died on a cross, enduring our punishment so he could forgive us and make our spirits and souls new. In just a few moments, as we share together in the Lord's Supper, it's an opportunity for you and me to look heavenward and say thank you. But for some of us, it's an opportunity for you and me to look heavenward and just invite Jesus, who cares about us, who cared about us before we cared about him, as an opportunity for us to look toward him and to invite him to fill our souls, to strengthen our lives, to fill us with hope, to remind us of our value in his eyes, It's an opportunity for us to ask him for hope and cleansing and the filling of his spirit, which we so desperately need. This morning, would you just look heavenward as we share in our communion time in just a moment? Invite him to fill you. And would you, uh, if you've never been baptized, as an expression of your faith, the Bible's really clear about baptism. It's It's a public physical statement you and I make with our bodies of surrender, And when we go under the water in baptism, we're identifying with Jesus' death, burial. And when we come up out of the water in baptism, we're we're identifying our body, soul, and spirit with his body and spirit that came out of the grave on resurrection Sunday morning. This morning, as we share in the Lord's Supper, remember those things. They, too, are symbols of all of that. The bread is a symbol of his body, sacrificed, put in the grave for you. The juice, symbol of his blood, shed for you. The price of our forgiveness was his death. As you take these emblems in just a moment, um, thank him and invite him to forgive you and cleanse you. And we can help you on this journey, which we certainly want to do, Email us, call us, let us help you in any possible way we can. I'm going to ask you, if you would, let's bow our heads together. I'm going to pray, ask a blessing on our communion time, and then spend a few moments in quiet just eating a little piece of bread, a little drink, of ju- drink a little cup of juice, remembering our Savior who came to give us hope and strength and life eternal. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you cared about us enough that you... Allowed Jesus to step away from a throne and clothe himself in flesh and come to show us the way back to you and a right relationship with you. Thank you that because of his sacrifice, we can put our faith in him and we can be forgiven and receive the promise of eternal life, everlasting life through his shed blood. As we take these emblems, We're just saying to you, Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you. As these emblems will enter our bodies, we're saying, would you fill our bodies and our spirits with your goodness, your grace, your mercy, your forgiveness? And would you meet us in these moments and empower us to walk in your ways, be salt and light and hope? Wherever we go, meet with us in these moments. This is our prayer. We lift it together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Before we close in prayer this morning, I just want to say thanks for joining us. I just want to encourage you, if you've got any needs in your life, if you need prayer for something, maybe at this point, it's like you need, you need something from the grocery store if you're local here in Kansas City. Maybe you need something else in your life. I don't, I don't know what it might be, but feel free to reach out to us here at Southwoods. We want to help in any way we possibly can, and uh, we just want to bless your life. So if you need a prayer, uh, lifted, uh, we've got lots and lots of people eager to pray. So let us know, let us join you in prayer. Uh, thanks for joining us, let's bow our heads for a closing prayer and then I hope you'll join us next week for the next source of hope as well, okay? Join us next week, let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness. We thank you that you are our living hope. Would you fill us with strength? Strength from your spirit, strength from your word strength from your presence. And we'll give you credit for every good thing that happens in our lives because we know that you are the one good thing that nobody can take away from us. That's a part of our lives. Would you go with us this week? Guide our steps, our words, our lives. We lift this prayer together in the name of Jesus. And everybody agreed with me and said, amen, amen. Bless you all. Join us next week. Take care.